Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Please pray with me. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you have called us to be your children. And in doing that, you have also called us to be your ambassadors, to go out into all the world and reconcile those who are lost, those who are hurting, Lord, reconciling them to you. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit to do this. You would strengthen us that we may walk in your spirit as children of light. We may bring your truth to the entire world. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. If you'd like to follow along, please turn in your Bibles to, I think it was page 917. Was that right? Acts chapter 8. I'm trying to remember what it was up there because I don't have it here. <laughs> It's not uh, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. So about nine years ago, I joined the army. And when I did that, I uh, was terrified. And I went to basic training. And one of the first things I learned that will always stick with me is that uh, this wonderful, wonderful saying, which is lead, follow, or get out of the way. And I, it'll always stick with me that I either need to lead in this life, <clears throat> follow, or get out of the way. So I need to either lead because I know what I'm doing, and I need to help my soldiers, uh, help our congregation, uh, help people individually to get closer to the goals that they have for themselves, the goals that God has for them, right? Or I need to follow and follow the Holy Spirit because he knows better. And he knows uh, how to help people the best, right? So I follow his lead in all that. Help them get to the gospel. Help them to get saved and to, to follow after him. The other thing is sometimes I need to get out of the way. And I think that's important for all of us to remember is because we're sinful, because we're broken, because we carry around this body of death, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. And sometimes we need to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do his work which sometimes that means just letting them read the Bible for themselves, letting them uh, be led by the Spirit instead of me trying to coax them or prod them or make them feel guilty enough to show up at church. Because that can sometimes be the pastoral de default is guilt people, right? So I will make you do this, right? Uh, so, but as a Christian, there is no place for bystanders, fans, spectators, in the kingdom of God. There is no place to sit by and be entertained. And in our world today, a lot of us want to be entertained. We have m wonderful movies out there that entertain us all week long, TV shows. We are an entertainment generation, although I, I would, I would uh, dare to say that the Roman civilization with the Colosseums were also very interested in being entertained. So I don't think it's just us. I think it's a human condition that we want to be entertained. We want to sit back and be served. We want to enjoy the show. And so there is no room for that in the kingdom of God. We have to be willing to lead, follow, or get out of the way. Father Henry has a wonderful saying, we need to be a fully functioning embassy for the kingdom of God. That means each one of us needs to be trained up to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. From beginning to end, the Christian life is a call to active, immediate, deliberate obedience and trust in the command of God 
and his representatives. So when the angel says go, as long as, an, as long as it's an angel from God, you go. When the Holy Spirit says go, you go, right? When the pastor says go, as long as it's in accordance with God's word, may, you might go, right? Sometimes. <laughs> Maybe. So, I digress. Uh, so, Noah, Abraham, um, think about David, uh, Jacob, Isaac, all of these people in the Old Testament, the patriarchs, Isaiah, the prophet, right? I'm a man of unclean lips, he says. All of these prophets, all of these patriarchs, can you imagine if they said, oh, Lord, not today. Not today, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Or, no, Lord, I don't, I don't want to move my family to a land I do not know. I'm really comfortable here in Haran. I think I'll just stay here, raise my family, you know, move from one nicer house to a little bit nicer house, from one nice car to a little bit nicer car. You know what I mean? It's really easy to just kind of get in the motions, to pantomime the people around you, to just kind of fit into the culture, not cause too much trouble. Just do what the culture around you is doing. Can you imagine if they'd done that, if Abraham had just stayed there and not gone when he was called to go? Or Jacob or Isaac? Or if any of the other patriarchs or prophets had just said, no, I think I'll just wait. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If you're not willing to go now, who's to say you're going to go later? If God calls you now, you need to go now. 1 John 3.18 was our reading from the New Testament. It focuses on the two, these two words as action and truth, or deeds and truth. We're not supposed to just love with words, but deeds and truth. When we go out into the world, we tell people the gospel. We tell them the truth, that they are a fallen, broken people, that they are sinful, and that they are dead in their trespasses and sins. And without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for them. Psalm 16, or 66, which was our psalm reading, Psalm 66, 1 through 8, is all about shouting for joy and calling mankind to see the awesome works of God. What is the greatest work of God? It's not parting seas. It's not raining down manna from heaven. It is taking our broken, sinful hearts, our hearts of stone, making them hearts of flesh. That is the true work of God. That is the greatest work of God. And that is what we preach. That is what we proclaim. That is what we shout, is that God is here and that he wants to change our hearts. I mean, parting a sea is pretty awesome, but getting me to actually do what he wants me to do, that's even more impressive. The fact that I'm wearing this stole standing in this pulpit is pretty darn impressive. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets, or as Father Henry says in the Texas translation, hangs all the law and the prophets. King James? Okay. Sorry, the King James translation, which Texans, I guess Texans appreciate that as their, it's also... Anyways, I digress. Okay, continuing on. So, it's easy for us to stand up in a pulpit and say, if you really love people, you'll tell them the gospel. But here's another way of looking at it. How much would you have to hate someone to not tell them the gospel? How much would you have to hate someone to not share with them the gift of eternal life? 
If you know that people are dying and going to hell and not knowing Jesus Christ, if you know people have no other hope, there's no other name given among men by which we shall be saved, if you know that, how much do you have to hate them not to tell them the gospel? Point two, visualize your targets. Let me turn to our scriptures for this. Now an angel of the Lord, verse 26, sorry, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then Philip said, no, I'll just wait. (laughs) No, Lord, later. No, he goes, he, he rises and he goes. This is a desert place, period. I love that. This is a desert place. Verse 27, and he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And so a strange place to go and evangelize, right? Go down to the desert. I'll tell you all, when I was looking at coming here to Midland, and all my buddies said to me, you know, there's no water there. And if you find water, you can't drink it. You know, I come from the land of like a thousand lakes, okay? So there is more water than there's more water than anywhere else in the world, really, like fresh water, right? Lake Superior, Michigan. And they told me to come to a desert place. And, um, and I'm so happy to be here, and it is amazing to see the gospel here. It's amazing to see the people who have such a huge heart to share the gospel. And so I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, moving on. He went to a desert place to meet with this Ethiopian eunuch. Continuing on, so this Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch. He was a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, and he had charge of all of her treasure. This guy's a big deal. I mean, he literally is in charge of all of the queen's money. Now, if you, get, if you give somebody charge of your money, you have to really trust them, right? This guy is not just anybody, and he probably has a really fancy chariot, too. And so, he's riding, uh, he's riding back after visiting Jerusalem, and so he's a Gentile. He can't go into the temple, but he's there to worship God. He's what we call a God-fearer in the Old Testament. He's a Gentile who's not Jewish, but he knows that the Jewish God is the true God. And so he goes to Jerusalem to worship, and he's riding back, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah, which means he also had a lot of money himself or a lot of influence because he has the ability to actually read a scroll and to have a scroll back then, that's a big deal. Most people didn't walk around with scrolls. It was a very, very you know, handwritten, very expensive. Not everybody had those. And so he's reading from the prophet Isaiah, verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip is led by this angel first who says go, and now the Holy Spirit is saying go. So it's pretty obvious it's time to go. And so he comes up to this chariot, and what I love about this is it says, go over there and join this chariot. And, and join, it's kind of like a cleave, grab onto. And so one of the cool things about like, I think it's NIV or NLT or something, some of those translation, it literally has the idea of overcoming the chariot. So he's like racing off, trying to catch the chariot, like, hey, stop, stop, I have to tell you something. So he's, he's literally chasing after uh, this chariot to flag him down and to get him to stop because he hears him reading Isaiah the prophet and the Holy Spirit just told him to go and grab onto this chariot. So it's kind of like today if there's a millionaire political guy driving in a limo running up and smack in the limo saying, hey, let me come in. I got to share something with you. But he lets him in. It's amazing. So 
So it says, verse 30, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And the, the eunuch says to him, How can I unless someone guides me? And the eunuch invites Philip to go, come up and sit with him. And now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. I'm going to stop right there. Um, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is written 700 years before Jesus. Some people call Isaiah the fifth gospel, which is kind of a cool way to describe it. Because if you read the gospel, well, the book of Isaiah, the gospel of Isaiah, you will see within those chapters, there's, I believe, 66 chapters, which is kind of cool too. I mean, how many books are there in the Bible? 66. It's, it's, it's kind of a cool book for that reason. If you go through the entire book, you will see the gospel from beginning to end. God will reveal himself in the person of Jesus Christ through these prophets 700 years ago. And the wonderful thing is the Dead Sea Scrolls were found 200 years, dated 200 years before Christ was born. And they found those scrolls. These things have not been tampered with. This Old Testament is reliable. It is the word of God. It doesn't change. The world around us changes, but the word of God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Verse 33, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And so Jesus humiliates himself. He humbles himself to become a servant, to literally be stripped down, almost naked, hung on a cross, and die for the sins of the world. Now that's humiliation. The king of the universe dies as a man, as a criminal on a cross for us. And who can speak of his generation? One of the important things about this, Jesus didn't come to have a family. You know, Da Vinci Code nonsense tells us, oh, maybe he, you know, got married to Mary and uh, Mary Magdalene and had kids with her and stuff, kind of crazy nonsense. That's not what he came to do. Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of the world, to raise up disciples, to establish his church. He did not come to have physical children, but he has so many spiritual children, so many spiritual children. And that's what this is getting at. This eunuch, right? He's been made a eunuch, which means, I think y'all know what that means, right? Yeah. So this guy, he can't have kids, right? He is. And so <laughs> he can work for this queen. He can do all these things. He is completely dedicated to serving her as his queen. And so who can speak of his generation? Another cool thing about this is if you read through Isaiah, Isaiah is the prophet of the Gentiles. Isaiah is the one that says, all of these Gentiles will come in. All the nations will come in to the kingdom of God. The Jewish people might have had ethnocentrism, meaning they focused primarily on the ethnic identity of being children of Abraham, right? There is none of that in the true kingdom of God. The true kingdom of God is made up of Gentiles. So visualizing your target and keeping your sight picture. When you line up your sights on a person to get them into the kingdom of God, don't take your sights off that person. I know sometimes it can be really awkward and, and weird because you walk up to somebody and you tell them about Jesus and you tell them about Jesus again. And the, poor, and the guy's like, this guy, he just keeps telling me about Jesus. All he wants to talk about is Jesus. But guys, that is the greatest gift we can give to them. The greatest commandment is to share the gospel so that they can get saved. They can come to know 
Jesus. Subpoint: take confidence. God has already begun the work with the Holy Spirit and his provenient grace. In Arminian uh, the- theological tradition, we call provenient grace the grace that is sent out by God to draw people to himself. In the Calvinistic tradition, they call that irresistible grace. But we would say God is leading all people to himself. He is drawing all people to himself. When he is raised up on the cross, he will draw all people to himself. And so seeing people as God sees them is the secret to crippling racism. It's the, it's the secret to crippling um, all of the division we see in our world today, whether that's socioeconomic status or whatever divides us. The secret to destroying those things that divide us is seeing people the way God sees them. If we could just see people with the love that God has for them, all those things, all those things that are such a barrier in our society of the day that weigh us down would not be a problem if we could just love and see people the way God sees them. Third point, overtake the chariot. There are many chariots in the way of reaching your target. But, but what God has called you to do, he will equip you for. John 14, 16, we have to trust in the Holy Spirit. God is already guiding them, directing them, bringing them to himself. And all we have to do is to come, come alongside and help them and guide them. One of the important things is, remember, the Mormons read this. The, the you know, Jehovah Witnesses read this. Christian science people read this. Lots of people are reading this book. But are they reading it with apostolic doctrine? Are they reading it as the apostles read it? I don't think so. That's why when you see somebody reading the Bible, you can't just say, oh, great, you can understand that on your own. Just go read that on your own. No, you help them. We have so many resources today. We have, you know, the Holy Spirit for one. We have the Bible We have pastors, commentaries, books, classes, websites, whatever you need. God, in his his grace, has equipped us so that we can help people learn the faith. Not the faith of the Mormons, not the faith of any other heretical group, but to actually know this book the way the early church read it. The fourth point, trust the Holy Spirit and God's word to lead as you guide. So just following along, letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's already done. I was telling the youth this morning in, in our catechism class, when you're learning and as you're growing, you share that with other people. And you can't expect people to just know Jesus. You can't expect people to just accept Jesus. You can't necessarily reason someone into the kingdom of God if the Holy Spirit isn't involved. That's why if you're going to be leading someone to Christ, you need to pray first. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to draw them first. And my conclusion is, reap the harvest and keep going. Reap the harvest and keep going. Baptism is an instrument to graft believers and their children into Christ's body, the church. And we are here to equip you for your ministry, to reach the lost for Christ. I mean, obviously, we're up here wearing collars, investments, and everything else, but we cannot save the world all by ourselves. The clergy are not the primary missionaries. You are. You are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You are to go into all the world, teach people this book. The wonderful thing about the Old Testament and the New Testament is it is one book. 
And if you can show people Christ in the Old Testament, even from Genesis, Christ is already appearing in Genesis, all the way through to the New Testament in book of Revelation. If we can help people to see this one book as the word of God, if we can draw people to God through the work of the Holy Spirit and good biblical teaching, we can draw so many people to Christ. Baptism is an instrument to graft believers and their children into Christ's body. We don't just stop, right? We reap the harvest and keep going. We should have a holy discontent. My final thing I'm going to leave with you is a holy discontent. I'm not going to be content until I see every seat in this place filled and every, you know, if we have another campus and we grow this church and we help other churches grow in the community and we bring people into the kingdom of God, I will not be content until I see that. There's a lot of things you've got to be content with in this world. Sometimes it's your, you know, your marriage. Sometimes it's, I'm just kidding. No, I'm very, very, no, no. You have to be content in some areas in life. But one thing you cannot be content with is the number of people that got saved, the number of people sitting in the seats, the number of people that are going into the community and sharing their faith. There should always be a growth. There should always be a multiplying community. Just as Philip went, as the Holy Spirit called him, I'm encouraging y'all, I'm, in, I'm calling you to go out in faith in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel, and to draw all people to Christ. So let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your truth. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the fact that we have your word. We have your Holy Spirit. We have your power. Lord, if we would just draw on you, if we would just share this truth with our neighbors, that they might be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Lord, I pray that you would draw us more and more to yourself, that we might draw others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.